This is Channel 253. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Does my beard need product? I'm Marguerite, and I want you to move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. You'll like it. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma.com. I'm Marguerite, and this is Move to Tacoma, and I'm here today with Kelly Richardson. Hello. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you. Kelly Richardson, our esteemed poet laureate oh. for the city of Tacoma. <laughs> Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I know you probably have a very, very uh, busy poetry schedule. Uh, maybe. Sort of. Kind of. <laughs> but I'll, I'll make time for you. Uh, I appreciate you got that. got it like that. So when did you move to Tacoma and why? I moved to Tacoma through my mother's uterus oh. um, via C-section at Tacoma General on <laughs> December 21st, 1975. Thank you for your detail. Yes. <laughs> She's constantly showing me the scars to prove it. Um, still holds me responsible for her stretch marks. But anywho. Oh, mom. I was born and raised here. Um, I lived sort of almost north endish, so off of South 12th and Highland for the first probably eight years of my life. And then mm. when my family or my mom and dad separated... We kind of moved a few different places. Um, so I've seen the south end, the east side. We lived in Lakewood even for a little bit. Um, but uh, my roots are here and, and they remain here. Mm. So where do you live now? I live in the Hilltop now. Yep. I am a proud Hilltop resident. Um, it's been an interesting journey, though. Um, I moved back to Hilltop. I think it's been about three years now. Um and I'm on a corner lot right off of 7th and Sheridan, South 7th and Sheridan to be exact, because we all know division serves that purpose sometimes. Yes, ma'am. Um, and so we, my family and I, are witness to a lot of what we call street theater, um, which is, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, there's not a whole lot of, of places, I think, that have this combination of... Um, sort of peace and battle and blessing and curse as the mm. hilltop does. Um, we've had a lot of, I've had a lot of parenting um, tools and advice thanks to the hilltop. So as a black woman, I am raising two, well, they're not kids. They'd be really pissed if I called them that. But my daughter is 20 now. She is a college junior and my son is 14. And uh, last summer, so as um, Jada was preparing to go back to school, not quite yet, it was July, um, you know, we had a lot of, we had a lot of deaths in Tacoma in general, mm. but specifically black boys. And um, there was some drama. I heard my daughter go, Mom, which, you know, that either means an injury, a come take a picture, <laughs> um, come remove something from an orifice because, you know, whatever. We don't, to, we don't need to get into those details. But anywho, um, came down and there was some police activity across the street from our house. And my daughter being who she is, she immediately got her cell phone out because she wanted to do that and make sure that if um, someone needed to be held accountable that they would be. Um, and my first instinct 
with my son was to get him away from it. But then I realized there's always this balance that I have to walk that a lot of parents have to walk where you feel like you're doing your children a disservice if you don't fully prepare them for the realities of who they are, Mm. whether that's fair or not. And him crossing into being a um, young man, which I think that's hilarious considering the unfortunate decisions he continues to make. He's not a young man, but mm. in I think in society's eyes, he's a young man. When you said your daughter was 20, how old is your son? My son is 14. 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that he's crossed over into those teen years, I recognize the additional risks yeah. that he takes on being who he is and that he's gone through his little growth spurt, his feet are bigger mm. than mine, and people... Tend to I, I have noticed people having different reactions to him. So in that moment, my wife encouraged me to just like we literally all four of us were out there on the on the porch watching this um, exchange happen. It was a young young cat who couldn't have been more than a couple years older than Zion, so probably no more than sixteen. Down on his knees, four policemen um, surrounded him with guns pointed at his head, and Nobody could really figure out what the deal was. Um, They pushed him kind of face down and then pulled him up and then just kind of pushed him down the street. So it was like he was on the ground for about probably about five minutes. So I don't know if it was a case of mistaken identity or whatever it was. so they let him go. They let him go, but it's also like, well, what is he now taking down the street with him as this young guy? They didn't. I didn't see them specify to him why they even stopped him in that way. Certainly no So apology. now he's walking around with that kind of trauma, for lack of a better word. And so yeah. I had to unpack that with my son. Now, that's one side of um, living on the corner lot mm. <laughs> in the hill. The other is um, just this interesting mix of I have a neighbor whose kids I literally – I don't want to use the word hate um, because that's not kind. I have kids who probably get on other people's nerves, but we have a lot of, um, what do I call it, experiential upbringing. So rather than them do stuff in the house, they do everything outside. (laughs) Dress, dance. um, Not helicopter parents then. (laughs) Not so much. Particularly at to avoid, I think what I think they want to sleep, and so they make the kids come outside oh, at like seven o'clock on a Saturday morning. Mm. So I have to listen to this little girl's stream of consciousness. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's everything from just these interesting little people. <laughs> I have created kind of a dog leash donation program because there's sometimes there's little dogs just running around, and there's that. Um, And then there's, you know, there's an interesting evolution of MLK in particular. Um, So you see different coffee shops popping up, and that's also a blessing and a curse because Mm. they're really great spaces and they're centralized. But I also start to not see the neighborhood that I'm used to anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's sort of this, it's not even, well, it's kind of a grieving process because you you know, as somebody that loves Tacoma, you see an evolution of things, but you wonder how long people that look like you are part of that evolution or are you phased out? Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you part happened. of what it's becoming? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I don't plan on moving anytime soon. Um, 
but we'll see. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't see myself not in Tacoma. It would be really peculiar. Um, I don't know. So we'll see. Well, that was like a really good answer to the like, what do you think about your neighborhood? Like usually oh. people are like three sentences. Oh, that sorry. was really good. No, I loved I'm it. Good. I think that anybody like <laughs> anybody who's never been to Hilltop now is going to be like, I think I know exactly what it's mm-hmm. like. I had a very clear picture. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this is your job or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> how does one become the the poet laureate of the city? What, what is uh, that? How does that happen? Poet laureate is a role in which um, someone is responsible for developing literary arts in the city. It is an application process. It's through the city of Tacoma. Um, the Arts Commission, I believe, is sort of the final review or committee or whatever cool label you want to give that. Um, so you submit some work. You also submit ideas about how you would go about um, improving literary arts in Tacoma. So that's sort of the general role. You apply. Um, you submit both samples of your work and like I said these community engagement strategies and then it's a two-year term Um, the city is actually pretty flexible on what each artist will do with their term which is cool and so everybody kind of has their own angle Um, the angle that I thought I was going to take isn't necessarily the one that I'm taking Um, Just based on interactions that I'm having and needs that I'm seeing and what's what's sort of feeding my energy, I guess, and what I'm kind of vibing off of. Um, But actually the first – the very first um, gig that I got – well, I don't even want to call it a gig, but invitation I got after I was appointed was to go do a – writing workshop and and kind of host an open mic at the women's correctional facility in Purdy, which that was my, like, it was my very first and it's my very favorite just because it's, there's very few spaces um, as diverse as we like to say Tacoma is, Mm. um, particularly in the arts community. There's not a lot of spaces you're going to find with that level of racial diversity, age diversity, Mm. language diversity, literacy diversity, um, and no, it was not like Orange is the New Black. People ask me that all the time. <laughs> like, actually, no, that's a show. That's um, but there is that level of, it was just cool to be in a room. It was packed. There was maybe 60, 70 women there. And there were very young women who had just turned 18 and were clearly there because they just came of age. And then we had a woman in her 80s who had locks down to her thighs And she clearly had a background in performance and being an orator. And Mm. she was kicking so much ass and did, like, original work. And then she recited um, Gwendolyn Brooks and Maya Angelou. And there was um, some Latina women there as well that shared their experience. Like, it was just a really cool space in terms of authentic creativity. So that was fun. Well, I think what's cool about this, from my perspective, I'm like, what I imagine, like, the poet laureate, like, I imagine you in, like, at the Pantages, like, reading something and, like, many people, like, being like, <laughs> you know, like, I, yep. and you're like, I went to prison. Right. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, this sounds awesome. <laughs> well, not, yes, that's exactly the point is that, and I think that there were or will be again, um, poets that take on this kind of a role that are maybe do more of a traditional mm-hmm. term or performances or whatever, but um, 
my intent around improving literary arts was to continue to create these spaces of cross-cultural dialogue and really healing because that's how I even became um, passionate about writing and getting something out of writing was finding a space and a way to tap into my own experiences and find some resolve and healing with that. And I think that that's, to me, one of the most important parts of writing and art in general is just to um, establish connections with other humans maybe you wouldn't. Um, to work through some stuff that you've you've been through together and be in a space with somebody you would never expect. Um, Do you have any examples of that besides the prison, obviously? Besides the prison. Um, let's think. Well, <laughs> one of the ones that pops into my head is um, I've done a poetry in your pocket workshop at Bryant. Montessori, mm. which was hilarious um, and sweet, because I think a lot of um, a lot of the perceptions with art, but specifically poetry, is that you're supposed to get it right away. There's some code that you're supposed to get, um, and that if you don't, then you know you're just not evolved enough to get it. I had Michael Halflinger on a few episodes yep. ago, and like mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've worked through yeah, yeah, my poetry you? weirdness. Okay, good. Like I can make eye contact with you yes. while you read. Now I couldn't do that before. <laughs> I would have been like yeah. very stressed out. And I think that's part of one of the ways that um, that art and poetry can perpetuate some of some racial inequities and um, kind of turning off certain kinds of students and certain kinds of um, audiences and populations because they don't feel like they're part of the canons. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have just never been down with the canons. Um, I mean, yes, there's some really cool, timeless stuff out there, but that's not the end-all be-all of what mm. the art is supposed to look like. So at Bryant, I actually ended up doing a best part project with them. So I asked them to think about what they thought their best part was. On so, their body? Yes. Oh. So I And luckily it stayed a very appropriate. Um, <laughs> Seems risky with the elementary well, school kids. <laughs> they were fourth and fifth graders. Okay, so it was like okay. before, mo- well, some hormones had kicked in. But anywho, <laughs> we had eyes, we had feet, we had hands, and then they created a poem around that. Hmm. And we developed the pictures and they kind of created this um, little gallery wall, which was really, really fun. And a lot of the students were of different abilities, both physical um, and mental abilities as well as racial makeup and so forth. So it was a cool way for them to see a visual representation of who they were as a as a learning community. So that's one that comes to mind. So how far into your two-year term are you? I was just appointed. I'm still in my first year. So I was just appointed in, I think, late April, and then May is like the official start. So I'm only a few months in. Do you have any, like... Laureate goals, poet goals, <laughs> hashtag poet goals. Hashtag, I was just about to say hashtag. Um, I think that my first, I'm doing um, a book launch to just kind of try to raise some visibility around my work. But the most immediate stuff that I'm working on is uh, working with um, a couple faculty and staff at UWT to really examine some of the intersections between words and language um, and the way that black girls are perceived. There's a book called Push Out, 
and it is about the criminalization of black girls in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to other books, but this one really, really focuses on the way that girls are impacted by words, language, perception, and so forth. So we're just in the very beginning stages of that, but I, I do want to think about um, using this role across different sectors versus just keeping it about art. Is there an example for somebody that might not have heard of this concept before? I mean, I, I feel like mm-hmm. I heard of a study recently that was showing, like, the ways that black girls were treated differently at young ages or, like, given, yes. you know. So it's, I mean, it's not a ton different than, um, you know, we've heard disproportionate minority contact and confinement or um, young black students being overrepresented in special education, mm-hmm. overrepresented in expulsions, um, suspensions, and so forth. Not encouraged into things like AP programs. Right. Um, And so with what they're noticing with black girls is not only is that happening at the high school level, it's happening um, preschool. Um, Sorry. Oopsie. Preschool. um, And those students really being, for lack of a better word, tracked as either problem students or not being offered some of the opportunities that other young people are. Um, another example is even, um, is for young girls exhibiting behavioral issues, um, whereas maybe some of the white young girls would be, um, referred for an assessment or some sort of a treatment, Mm -hmm. um, around either mental health or counseling or special needs. Um, young black girls are just suspended or referred to even a juvenile detention center. So those mm-hmm. are just some examples about um, teachers or decision makers' discomfort. Um, it's not necessarily that I think that they wish or want ill or bad things to happen to black girls. They just aren't able to relate and see young black girls as, um, frankly, of the same value mm-hmm. and worthy of the same benefit of the doubt. Um, as another child. And the program that you're working on with UW, it, DWT, mm-hmm. is is it for the general public or is it for yeah, teachers? It or? Would, I think it'll be for, we're, like I said, we're still in the really beginning stages. So we've thought about kind of a panel discussion um, and then Q&A. And it, it would definitely be open to the public. It would be free. Um, but it's really just about provoking some authentic dialogue I really want to make sure that there are um, current students, former students on the panel as well. So we're we're keeping youth voice really at the center of it um, in terms of specific experiences. Because I think that what happens, just like with other data and um, general information, we get really used to seeing bad news. Mm-hmm. And so we get <laughs> get really desensitized to it. You forget how important it is. Right. Um, And it's just easy to not realize there's an actual human behind that percentage or that data point. So to to ensure that people's voices and faces and families and stories are in front um, is really, really key. Is there an example you can give, just a little little preview, a little taste of, like, the language that you're talking about, like, how language can impact the way that... Sure. Like, any... Yes. Well, first, I will say this, um, because it's the first thing that popped into my head. If you watch Scandal, go back and watch the episode called Dog Whistle Politics. Perfect examples in there. 
Which just, season is that from? Um, I want to. What are we on now? Oh, you don't watch the. I saw. I watched the I first season. I got too stressed out. Oh my I god! Stop. I, really I get stressed get out. Get it together, Kelly. I get stressed out. You can do it. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that it's four or five, season four or five, but it's really easy to find. All you have to do is Google dog whistle dog politics scandal, politics. and mm-hmm. you'll it'll pop up. Um. So okay. So some coded language around that I think um starts to build our perception of certain kind. Oh, People can't see that I'm making air quotes. Certain kinds of students <laughs> um, are angry, mm. um, intimidating. Mm. Threat is used a lot. Um, I find it, I've, yeah, I just, for little kids in kindergarten to get kicked out because they are threats, I've, like, that's real. Um, mm. So a, a friend of mine's, kindergarten grandson um they were trying to expel him because he's scary and threatening to the teachers the five-year-old just just an example um loud disruptive too expressive all the things i think that just sort of feed into some of these stereotypes of um black bodies being tolerated in a space versus them um, belonging, belonging, and being part of that space, um, and so nobody wants to feel tolerated. I don't think that's any different mm-hmm. for kids or students. Mm-hmm. Um, so just some of those little coded words. And my, I'm, it's so funny because my daughter is navigating that now, and it's been. I didn't think way back, way back when I was twenty one and still <laughs> somewhat fresh in my brain. Um, I didn't anticipate having those same kinds of conversations with her on how to navigate being the only black woman in a space. And so for those who know my daughter, she is uh, 5'1", maybe, um, maybe 105 pounds. She's tiny. Like, perhaps. So beautiful. My leg weighs more than my girl. (laughs) Um, and she has been leading an organization on her campus and is the first uh, black woman to do so. And we have had these conversations where even her, her supervisor, who's an actual staff member of the university, has called her and said, you know, you're, you're a little bit too aggressive when you, you know, have a, such a structured agenda for the meeting. Well, She's like, well, we got business to take care of. What am I supposed to be? Well, you know, you really need to be nicer and, you know, motivate people. Mm. And she's like, an agenda isn't motivating to show what we've gotten done. And Mm -hmm. so she just finds herself held to a different standard. Well, and really having to educate people that should know better. There you go. Mm -hmm. And this is all unpaid. So there's just not a lot of incentive for her (laughs) to stay in that space. But unfortunately, I have to tell her. Well, sugar, this won't be the last time you have to have those conversations or figure out a way to navigate it. And um, that does not put their livelihood at at risk because that's the other thing is, Mm -hmm. you know, you can try to call some people out on um, a word choice or a behavior. um, But then there's sort of the aftermath of that. Um, And when you have limited power in that situation, so, you know. The five-year-old can't say, 
You find me threatening because I'm a little black boy. That's not going to happen. <laughs> He's not probably. And, and, it, not and even if he did, like, no. might not work. It would, might not work. <laughs> um, and even Jada as a 20-year-old young woman in this space, she's not making decisions about um, what staff are doing and how they're evaluated and all of that. So so this idea for this panel, like, it's almost like to, to spark awareness and help people if they're in a room where like this comment is being made or if they're hearing this, like one teacher hears another teacher say this in the staff room, mm-hmm. like this can spark a conversation. Like what's your ideal outcome from this? I think my ideal outcome for this is to give young people the youth that are most impacted by the, these decisions um, and these behaviors have the space to really talk through what that, what that impact is. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, I think that a lot of, um, educators or decision makers feel that their good intentions are enough, mm-hmm. and because they had good intentions, it's okay that the impact wasn't so great, and that's really not okay. So to be able to share in a um, a safe space for them to really talk about how things, um, how language has negatively impacted their educational experience, um, to me, another huge... Um, sort of unintended result of some of these word choices and decisions is that it literally tells you who you are. So it really does impact and influence a young person's self-concept and self-image, which leads into aspirations, which leads into how they behave in school, which leads into what school they want to go to or Mm -hmm. if they want to go to a school. Mm -hmm. So it really is more than just semantics. I think I've had that discussion with other educators and leaders it's like oh it's just semantics and it's like no if you can't see yourself valued in the books that your teacher is choosing and the conversations that you're having um with this authority figure there's no real um way or desire for you to like fully engage in it and feel good about yourself in it Mm -hmm. so i think to me it's just really about dialogue i'd i I'm hesitant to put any outcomes in terms of values and policy and behavior because grown folks, yeah, you can't make them change if they don't want to. So it's mainly about do we have a conversation that maybe even motivates someone to want to find out more? Because mm-hmm. to me, it's like that's really the main difference is in in terms of these, especially these kinds of issues is, you know, when you want to know, you know, you change when you want to change. You can know, but if you don't really want to do anything different about it, you're, you're just not going to. This is Nate Bowling, host of the Channel 253 sister show, The Nerd Farmer Podcast. Channel 253 is brought to you by Alaska Airlines. Alaska is our hometown airline. They have the best flights to where I want to go without having to stop in Dallas or Minneapolis on my way to get there. But even more than the flight times, I come back to Alaska because of the service I get when I'm in the air. You know I love the cheese plate. That's a must. And you know I love their craft beer selections. Alaska also has some sort of magic tech that lets me use chat apps on my phone for free so I can keep in touch with my friends on the ground. But you know, sometimes I want to pretend I'm unreachable for a moment too. So for that, Alaska has free movies I can watch on my phone. Seriously, it feels like magic. Try it next time you fly. I'm Nate Bowling, Alaska Airlines MVP, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. So if somebody's listening right now and they're like, eh, you know, maybe they're a teacher, and they're like, mm, maybe I don't know about... That as much as I should, or a parent that might have seen something in their classroom or like their kids' classroom. Like, how can a, and now they know 
mm-hmm. what they don't know or they mm-hmm. know that they need to know more. Mm-hmm. How, what, is, are there any resources you might point someone listening to who's wanting to learn more? You, you, you mentioned a book before. Oh, yeah. There's a book called Push Out um, that essentially is a really deep dive into data, behaviors, and, and also just really drawing on um, some cultural norms mm. that not only permit but really socialize and nurture educators um, to interact with black girls a certain way mm. um, and gives a lot of firsthand stories and a lot of anecdotes but also, again, pairs that with um, with actual data. So there's a book, but... Um, I'm always hesitant to point people to books mm. in some ways because they they don't change your connections with other humans. The mm-hmm. connections that we have with humans is what's actually going to change our behaviors or at least make us more open. Um, so yes to to Google. <laughs> yes. yes. I was say, do not call up your only black friend right. and be like, I'd like to talk about. No, don't do yeah. that. Okay. Um, but if you have a black friend that you actually have some authentic connection with, Great. Um, if you don't, I don't call me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm not putting myself out there for that. <laughs> but um, the other thing I would say, especially for those that maybe do not have another person of color in their life that they feel comfortable talking to, is you need to just put yourself in some spaces that you wouldn't normally. Mm-hmm. Go somewhere else. Um, go engage where you are at, in the minority. Um, expose yourself to situations. Which where can you... be a hard thing to do in Tacoma. Yes. Yeah. Well, Maybe, depending on where you're uncomfortable. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm super uncomfortable in university place. Yeah. Whereas somebody might be super uncomfortable in Hilltop. So, so. if you're, if you're, it, I, I'm, I'm thinking about a friend of mine invited mm-hmm. me to the Caballeros Club for the first time once oh. a few years ago, and I didn't even <laughs> know it was great. there. I lived well, around. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's not for me. Nope. Um, and, <laughs> and we were sitting there and we're drinking a beer, yep. and she's like, "How you feeling?" I'm like, "I'm good." Good. Uh-huh. It's just like, have you ever been the only white person in a room before? And I was like, no, I don't mm-hmm. think I have. Mm-hmm. And I was 36, yeah. 37. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you said that, and I was like, oh, yeah, everybody should go find a space. And yeah. then I'm like, well, actually, where? Because those spaces are sort of, like, not necessarily for us either. We don't necessarily have to have this conversation. What do you mean for us? Like, like the... If there's a space where, like, I'm thinking about that club was created because in oh, the right. 50s and 60s, like, black people sure. were excluded from from nightclubs in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. And now, you you know, they have this awesome space. And it's it's not supposed to be for me to go and party, and even though they have the best karaoke book in the city. I don't know if and you know that. And can we just talk about the generous poor? I, it's, Hello. it's not expensive. Mm. I mean— <laughs> anyway, yes, it's a great place, but also I know that like but I'm no, not. It ain't for you. You yeah. Right. I, right. I I left and I was like, it's, I'm not supposed to call up like five of my white friends and be like, guys, I found let's, our new favorite bar. Yeah, let's like, roll out to the cab. If you do that, I'm gonna need you to tell me just so I can take the reaction of the the old guard down there. I mean, but I'm sure they would be fine. I've I've always felt like you know well received on my mm-hmm. few, few journeys. In. Yes. Um, but this is the thing is like if so we're trying to advise people to do that like is there a way you can think of that might be a way to like a play a, a way to do that that's if you if you don't have the invitation right like if you don't have somebody who's like I'm gonna kind of you know invite you into a space that you maybe you don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, I would. I mean, because to me, if you 
can't think of anywhere, you got to work on your circle. So there's that. And that's easier said than done. I totally get that. You and I have some shared experiences that have forced us to connect with people we maybe wouldn't have otherwise Mm -hmm. to include each other, as Mm -hmm. a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, But if you are if your work life involves communities of color in in any way, shape or form, if there are um, what do they call them? Work groups, projects on the side, book clubs. Yeah. Like, go engage with some other humans, period. Even if they are of the same race as you, they're not going to have the same exact experience as you. So you just, I feel like it behooves you to get into spaces that invite discomfort. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't always have to be across race, but you have to, again, um, I feel like the first time you go through some discomfort that actually ends up benefiting you, you're going to be more open to that. It's like a muscle. mm -hmm, So just kind of... Getting yourself in that mindset that it's okay, like to feel the fear and do it anyways, and get the see, I was about to say the F word, <laughs> get over yourself yeah. a little bit and get out of your own way. Um, yeah. Because it's really, it's not as hard as I think we make it. We don't want to, don't create reasons and barriers that aren't really there for you. And the benefits on the other side are so huge mm-hmm. for us individually and for our community. Yes, we hope. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's keep it optimistic. Or not. Or not. (laughs) Or not. Mm -hmm. Just do your best until it's all over. (laughs) Yes. 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 So we should probably, unless you'd like to talk more about that. No, I'm done with that. You're Mm -hmm. good. Um, So (laughs) you're selling a book. So let's talk about your book. You are launching a book. By the time this podcast comes out, your party will be over, unfortunately. Yes, that's okay. But um, your book, I know, is available on Amazon because I purchased it it on Amazon. I hope nobody from King's Books is listening, but I'm going to buy some more. Uh, No, I've already apologized to Kenny on numerous occasions. I'm sure he rolled his eyes at me really, really hard, too. So is your book available at King's if people want to buy it locally? Not yet. Um, I just got, we actually have just been doing a few um, exchanges to figure out the best way to do that Mm because I know that um, Kenny is is being supportive of the book. So I just got to figure that out. What's the book called? The book is called What Us Is, and it is a collection of poems that have been haunting my world for some time now. So some stuff is probably, good Lord, some stuff is 10 years old. Some stuff is less than a year old. So it's mm. kind of been this compilation. It's like an anthology. And it's one of the reasons that it is kind of <laughs> a good way to put it. Um, I think that's also one of the reasons that I just put it out because I needed, I had started to shift and be in a space um, where I was starting another collection. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm a late bloomer in terms of art and sharing my um, work. And so I don't have, you know, any real social capital, relational capital in terms of publishing industries and any of that stuff. And I hate meeting new people. I hate it. I hate talking about myself Mm. and like promoting. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. It makes me wildly uncomfortable. I'm starting to get hot under my pits right now just thinking about you know, talking about my creative process. Like, mm. I, I don't do all of that. I need, probably should learn, but I, I'm not good at it. So, yes, it's out. Um, it's kind of split into three different sections. The What Us Is part is really about kind of unpacking um, experiences of identity, um, but how that also intersects um, with gender. 
So the way that race intersects with gender, with the way it intersects with faith. Um, and then the last section is called the new normal. So it's really about um, one thing I think that's a constant in my work is talking about change mm. um, and that that is really the only constant. Um, and so I do some things around grief, around loss, how people come to terms with with change. Um, yeah, so it's it's just a, a little trip around my twisted world. Um, and I'm excited to have it out. I'm excited for the launch. Um, and then I am going to try to swing by Kings and the downtown library. I'll do a few more readings as well. Um, so there'll be other chances to. Very cool. Well, we'll make sure to put a link to your page in here when cool. we do the show notes. Thanks. So, um, unless you have more to say about the poet laureate, <laughs> I know you do a few other things. Yeah, I do some stuff. So <laughs> I feel like I first met you as Brown Betty, your blog, the Brown Betty blog. Yes. Yeah. And the Brown Betty like products were next. Yes. Yeah. Like so I first I, I first started reading your blog posts and then saw mm-hmm. that you did the skincare mm-hmm. and went to one of your parties where you sold it and Oh, is that where we Oh I, yeah, you did, think, didn't you? I think that was kinda how it all unless I'm forgetting something that happened before that. But like Yeah. It's can we talk about of course. the lovely product that you make and oh and also Spaceworks because I mentioned right. Spaceworks. That's right. So that's right. I think that's the very first time I saw it. Maybe was it might have been it, that yeah, yeah because that was before. Do- mm-hmm. So I was presenting. Yes, You're and very I was te- expertly by the way. Yeah, I was talking about networking, and then you were like, "Actually, that doesn't work for everybody, Marguerite." And I was like, "Yes, Kev. I, Did I, I say thank that? you for yeah?" But, but you were right, and I was like, Such "Yes, that, that's true." Sometimes, no, though. no, it was really good. We had a good talk, and uh, it, yeah, it was good. And then, and then you invited me to your party, and I was like, "I'll come." Cool. I'm, I'm glad you came. And there were mimosas there. For, they were complimentary. It's a positive they were memory so for gone. me. <laughs> I got one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So let's talk about what is Brown Betty? Like, what okay. is the blog? And then yes. what is the product? And Right. So this is all, it's all been very um, semi-organic. I'll put it that way. So um, as I mentioned, I, I really started writing and expressing myself. Um as a as a way to heal, but also as a way to um, let other people know that they weren't alone in some of their experiences. And so I started Brown Betty um, to just talk about life mm-hmm. here in Tacoma, but also to vent about random things that bother other people, um, as well as myself. So my friends, um, I have, like I have done a couple posts about mom trauma. Mm. which uh, when my son wrote a love letter when he was in second grade and that just messed me up um, and unpacking parenthood. And um, then I accidentally saw his um, member as a 14-year-old. That's another mom trauma post about <laughs> accidentally seeing his private parts and how upset I was by it all. Um, so there's some real talk on this. So blog. there's some real talk, um, but then there's also <laughs> some of my poetry on there. There is celebrating different events around Tacoma. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a rant about Tyler Perry movies. So it's just kind of mm. all over the place. I, don't think I saw that one. I would definitely have to check it out. It's been. A, it's yeah. It was probably like the first or second year. It was after I saw For Colored Girls, and I was just done. Uh, yeah, whatever. That's a whole other um, <laughs> meeting. So that's how that happened. Um, and then part of. 
the conversations that I would have with folks about the blog and what they were interested in was about um, natural hair care, natural beauty. And specific to the black community, that means you're no longer chemically processing your hair mm. um, and that you are also shifting to products that are all natural or at least mostly natural that you can pronounce essentially. That's mm-hmm. my that's my indicator. Um, so I talked a lot about my transition with my hair and when I shaved my head and kind of put on different put up different hairstyles and things that I've done and how often as black women our hair is political. And then um, I am, you know, this is just me. I'm, I'm, I'm dry. I'm a dry person. Okay, this is just who I am. <laughs> and so you put that up against to uh, as black people, ashy is not what you want to be. And we have dry skin. We are a, you know, we in a different climate. I think okay? your slogan for remedy is it? It's hashtag we don't do ashy. We don't yes, do that ashy. is correct. Right. Um, so that is just like a. You don't do that. It's bad. You make, it makes your mama look bad. Your family's pissed off at you. You look a fright. And it dulls our skin. You know, we're, we have all this melanin, so we want to glow, so mm. to speak. And um, I was reading about how sixty up, up to 60% of what you put on your skin gets absorbed into your bloodstream. Mm. And so then when I looked at what I was putting on my skin and I didn't even know really what it was and couldn't pronounce it, it prompted me to do some research around creating my own... Um, moisturizers and things for my skin. So I just started doing it and playing around with it. Um, My daughter was getting ready for college, and so I started to sell it to put some money aside for her for college and mainly just did it around the holidays. Mm. And then people would ask for it um, when they got dry again, Mm -hmm. pretty much. (laughs) Not so. I mean, it all goes away eventually. I've learned. Exactly, yes. I've hit the bottom of a few of those Yes, and so that's how it all kind of occurred to me, oh, I could maybe have a little side something around this and it's serving a need. And it's also Brown Betty has evolved from just the words in the blog to really where commerce and community intersect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so while, yes, I'm doing the products, I'm also like I had the pop up or we'll do like discussions or Mm -hmm. women will get just get together and chat about things. So Mm -hmm. I want to continue to explore that, um, but also do it while we're looking really good and hydrated and moisturized. And so now it has evolved into, it's a pretty small suite of products still. There's the body frosting. um, There is a facial cleanser. There is um, scalp spray. And then there's a couple products for um, those who identify as men who have beards. So there's a beard balm and a beard oil. Oh, Doug. Are you intrigued? That's why I turned around. (laughs) Um, He's paying attention. Yes. And... um, I'm working on uh, Baby Betty products. So I've gotten a couple um, folks who have reached out to me that um, their kids are biracial, multiracial, and just thinking about um, what kinds of products um, are in need for that as well. Mm -hmm. And everything's 10 ingredients or less, everything you can pronounce. Um, As you saw, the brand is, I want everything to be transparent so Mm -hmm. the jars are clear so you can kind of see exactly what it is that you're putting in. Or putting on your skin. So that's how Brown Betty came to be. Did you go care. through the Space Works program or did you just happen to yes, be there on that sorry. day? No, it's good. So that, I'm trying to think who prompted me. I want to say, oh, Gwen Cole. She works um, with Space Works. And I had seen just an announcement about um, applying to the Creative Enterprise program. And I had thought more of it about my writing first. Um 
But we met and I talked about the skincare line. I talked about the other, like the community side, the writing and all of that stuff. And she really, really encouraged me to apply. Um, and so I did. And it was mind, mind, kind of mind blowing, but it was also really nerve wracking mm. um, just because the idea of launching anything um into a business and all of that was just really, really intimidating. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, and I, I, I still have to kind of check in with myself about this, but the having the cohort was great in Space Works. That's one of, I think, one of the main benefits is you have other small business owners that are bouncing ideas off of each other and that it's a, it's a very um, kind of open and welcoming environment. It's not about you know, profit margins and how sophisticated everything, you know, the mm-hmm. people are just really there to support each other and network and um, and learn from each other. So that has been really, really great. Um, and now I don't remember where I was going with that. Where was I going with that? Well, you were talking about how, like, the, the idea of launching is so intimidating. Yes. Oh, thank you. And then I let go of that because I realized um, a mentor of mine said, well, that's the whole point of your biz- having your own business is it's your own business. So you decide mm. what success looks like for you. You decide um, when you have to get something done or what day of the week you dedicate to it or does it have to be every day. And so I was realizing so much of the stress of it was self-imposed because nobody was holding me to any standard except myself. Mm-hmm. And so I really had to... And I think I still do have to kind of grapple with what a priority is, what success looks like. Um, and it's a it's a good problem to have, of course. But it also requires me to be have a level of patience with myself and a level of compassion for myself in terms of the different kind of the different arms of Brown Betty. So it's not just the writing now, which is taking a lot of my attention because of Poet Laureate. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But then there's also the skincare line. And then recently, earlier this spring, I started doing um, some mixed media collage. Um, so we're working on doing an exhibit with with that early next year. And a lot of the collage, um, there's a poetry that kind of goes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a series of um, women who have been kind of instrumental in my healing. So there's just competing priorities, but they're all good. They all generate things. So uh, it's... It's important, I think, as a business person, especially a small business person, um, when it is just you, to really keep that in mind and be patient with yourself and your process. And because I feel like the universe is going to kind of lead you where, where you need to be. Doug and I were just talking about that before you got here. Yeah. Having patience with the process, not my gift. Mm. So I'm patience learning. Patience is, is it's tough. It's tough. I need to, I need especially a when it's book something on you're patience. passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you look back on the SpaceWorks program, do you think, like, did you benefit from that? Is mm-hmm. that something you recommend to other people? What do you think they do really well? Um, well, like I said, the co- having this cohort is great. Um, I feel like they're really, really responsive in terms of, yes, these are the core components of what you should know, but also paying attention to um, having opportunities for individual coaching. Mm. That is specific to what your needs are. So... When I was doing the program, I really needed um, space and intentional time to really talk about what I might want mm-hmm. because that's really like where it all starts is mm-hmm. you got to figure out kind of what your actual goals are, what your vision for your work is. 
and then you can kind of backtrack it. And so I had really good meetings and opportunities to plan out um, what I wanted, which is was unnerving but really, really good because mm-hmm. I think um, we often say, well, what do you want? And we can't answer that question very well because you haven't thought about it. I mean, you can think about, well, you're probably really good at it. No, I'm actually I'm actually struggling with this right now. And I think part of that is also like for me, like someone says, what do you want? And I say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But of course I know. Right. But whether or not I think it's possible Mm -hmm. or whether or not I think it's attainable or whether I'm embarrassed by it. You know, like that's a whole nother set Mm -hmm. of questions. Right. So Mm -hmm. having a coach or somebody to to walk you through that and maybe even help you expand your vision of what is possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They they gave me a lot of practice in in being able to just articulate that because that's the other part of especially small business is promotion and to your workshop of networking Mm -hmm. and being able to talk about what you do and um, kind of mine the city for these potential connections and opportunities for growth. Mm -hmm. Um, And being such a dorky introvert, it's so difficult for me to do it. I can do it. Um, And being a teacher and a trainer and all of that, I've learned I'm good speaking in front of people. It just takes a lot out of me. Yeah. Um, so that's the other part is just really being intentional with, um, reaching out to other folks and letting them know that you're around. Um, and then I'm actually in this, um, tier, what are they calling it? Is it tier two or tier three? Anyways, it's another cohort that SpaceWorks has built on. They've kind Mm. of expanded their opportunities around, um, small business development is I'm now in a cohort with folks that have already gone through that first tier. Mm. And now we're doing, we're just kind of taking a deeper dive. So Mm. I think one great thing that they continue to do is figure out what the needs are for small business owners or startups um, and really be able to pivot um, what the needs are. So giving that foundational knowledge, but now that I've shifted into this different level, Mm -hmm. um, the coaches I'm working with now are really helping me figure out how to take Brown Betty to scale. So working mm. specifically on manufacturing, but then also how do I balance these other two arms that are really more creative in nature? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the um, the skincare, it's about, you know, what kind of commercial mixer do I get? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because boy, mama's wrist and elbow, are, yeah. ooh, they were messed up um, last <laughs> holiday season. So, um, and then the other really great thing with this particular... Um, cohort is uh, the micro grants. So you can apply for a small grant um, that has a really focused purpose in mm. your business development. So mm-hmm. whether it is a commercial mixer or some folks are doing a website expansion or mm. and then as um, peers, we're actually reviewing each other's applications to kind of create this peer learning model where we help people develop ways to strengthen Um, their case statements and their asks so there's a lot of cool little angles that they'll take and they're just and they're just cool people you know they're really really down to earth um and they expose you to a variety of um ideas and and get you comfortable to my point earlier about being comfortable being uncomfortable they're good at that too Mm. Mm -hmm. So if there's somebody listening and mm-hmm. they have a great idea mm-hmm. for a business or they've, you know, all been wanting to do this mm-hmm. something for a long time, but they're just not sure, mm-hmm. like, how to go into business, would you recommend applying to SpaceWorks? I would definitely recommend applying to SpaceWorks if you are unsure about or just feeling self-conscious about 
um, whether your idea is a good one Mm -hmm. or whether you're a good fit, definitely reach out directly to Gwen or even Heather. They're both staff there. Um, And they're great about just sitting down and meeting meeting you and hearing your story and what you're interested in. And they'll they'll absolutely be real deal with you um, and talk to you about the application process. It's not um, they're very transparent is what I'm trying to say. So if you're like, should I answer this or this? They're going to tell you um, what's going to put you in the best position to be part of the program and how it will benefit you. So and they're always, always wanting more and more females, more and more um, startups of color that are led by people of color. Mm -hmm. They want to diversify the program as much as possible and have it reflect um, the community. So specifically to those that um, are interested in our business owners of color or women. And you had a good experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even when I did that little, uh, you know, had my rabble rousing moments Mm -hmm. a little bit, not even necessarily rabble rousing, but just saying, this is not my truth as a business owner of color. Um, they didn't run from that, which they I, were which I really appreciated because there's plenty of spaces that folks will try to silence you or they're mm-hmm. just scared of the conversation because they know we're not here to talk about that. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they know it's not something you can just put a pin in and be done with. Mm-hmm. But they were really, really open and um, and interested to continue to position themselves to learn as well as teach. So. Well, is there anything else that I have not asked? I mean, I feel like you do so many things. Is there anything else I have not asked you about that you want to make sure to mention? We're definitely going to have your website in the show notes and linked by the book and all of those good things. But is there anything else you want to make sure to you have the platform today? Like, is there anything you want to make sure to say or make sure people know? Um, I am a Sagittarius. <laughs> um, my birthday is December 21st. If anyone would like to buy me a gift. You know what? Like Amandroka. If it comes a little late, you're probably not going to complain. No, I'm not. That is actually true. You could give me a birthday, birthday gift all in year March long. if you wanted to. <laughs> Kelly loves um, presents. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, I guess the only other thing I would say um, as, as my role um, as a poet laureate, if there are um, spaces or things that you would like me to do um, around leading a discussion, writing workshops... Um, gathering young people together or older people together to talk about literary arts um, or to speak. I've been doing a lot more speaking than I thought. Yeah, um, you were. Didn't you do something at the MDC breakfast? That's like yeah, a thousand people. I did the ask at the MDC breakfast with a piece, and then I just recently um, shared a piece at uh, Pierce County AIDS Foundation, their wow. 30th anniversary. So I've been doing a lot of those things, which I like. Because, again, it's it's making the poetry and making the words accessible to everyone and not kind of separate from our day-to-day mm-hmm. issues in life. So I'm absolutely interested and enthusiastic about um, either doing it myself or helping y'all find someone um, who would be a good fit for the discussion that you want to have. How can people reach you? Like, what's your preferred method? Like, email? or Email is preferred. Um yeah, email is preferred. Text is okay too. I hate the phone, but I will use it because it's necessary. What's your email? My email <laughs> <laughs> is brownbetty253 at gmail.com. Well, that's it's very real intuitive. simple. Yes. Um, and um, I'm on that pretty frequently, and I'm out and about quite a bit for work, but email, I, I try to stay on top of as much as I can. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on and for answering all my questions. Thank you. For being so candid. You know me. I do. I'm really (laughs) glad that you are.
So thank you. Yeah. All right. Want to learn more about life in Tacoma? Visit movetotacoma.com. Oh, sure. Podcast, Let's so. maybe not have Kelly talking about drugs. Weed. <laughs> <laughs> Weed. <laughs> well, there, there it is. There, is. I think that's there our, it is. Boom. Movetotacoma.com. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.